Welcome to Messy Closet, the spiritual journey of Generation X. I'm Roseanne Carlo, and here we explore the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and the lessons my friends and I may or may not have learned. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. It is another True Crime Tuesday, and of course, thanks to Soundtrap and Podbean for helping me bring you this new episode of Messy Closet Podcast, and I am discussing Alex Murdoch today because I have thoughts and feelings and theories, and I just cannot figure this man out for the life of me. So let's get to it. Alex Murdoch, a now disbarred lawyer in South Carolina who is powerful and wealthy and whose family goes so far back in this region of South Carolina that when his now deceased son Paul was responsible for a serious boating accident, nothing really happened. He was charged but never did time. If you didn't know, Alex Murdoch's full name is R. Alexander Murdoch Sr. and he took to the witness stand to talk about what happened on June 7th, 2021. And he admitted to this web of lies. So during the trial, there were several people who saw the video of the dog kennel and 100% said that the third voice in the background belonged to Alex Murdoch. And he denied being there. Then he took the witness stand in his own defense, which is so incredibly rare and and very strange in a trial like this. You know, O.J. Simpson didn't do it. So many people didn't do it um, because they knew and their lawyers knew it's probably going to cause them more harm than good. So my belief, because Alex Murdoch stole $11 million and said he loved his family and friends that he was stealing this from, my belief is he was able to sort of smooth talk his way out of things with family and friends until it got out of control, that he thinks he's going to be able to smooth talk his way out of a conviction and he's just going to walk free. This family is like generations, a hundred years of wealth and status and privilege in South Carolina and There's actually a new series on Netflix and HBO Max that features the saga of the family. But he's facing all of these civil suits and they're in addition to the murders. There's actually nine civil suits because of what he has stolen. Now, he claims, and I'm just going to put my opinion out there, he claims that he was addicted to opioids and took up to 60 pills a day. And that's where the money went. Now, I have a few problems with this. Knowing people who have had opioid addictions is there's no way you can put 60 opioids in your body in a day without overdosing. Like you would OD, there would be no way. It's impossible. You would be dead by now. So 60 pills a day, Probably no, but he's also admitted to being a pathological liar. So he said that the opioids made him lie and steal money. 
Now, I'm not saying that people who have had drug problems haven't stolen things here and there, but we're talking millions upon millions. So I believe that all of this is just a lie to try to get him out of it. Well, I was addicted to opioids. Well, if you were so addicted to opioids, where's your problem now? Why are you clean and, and not relapsing? And, you know, you're able to speak with such clarity and, and bullshit, if you ask me, on the witness stand. I think he did himself in with the witness stand thing because I really think that he thought he could outsmart the system. This dude's pulling like an amber herd, but he's trying to get off on a murder conviction. Murdoch only made about $250,000 a year with his family law firm. So, and that's like really where his wealth came from. And they let him go after finding out he took all this money and he's saying, you know, it was for this reason. It was for opioids. It was for, I think that once someone is a pathological liar, there's absolutely no true direction that the lies go. They're just very scattered. You know, you're like, um, what happened to the book that was on the table? Well, there was never a book on the table. Well, maybe there was a book on the table, but the book moved by itself. Okay, no, no, really. It did, like It's kind of things like that. Like, I've dealt with pathological liars before who will talk in circles until you literally stop questioning them. And I believe that that's the reason that he was able to get away with so much for so long and he was given a pass because it was family. But you don't steal from family. You just don't steal like that. That, again, is just my opinion. But the pathological lying is the reason I don't believe him. It's beside the video at the kennels where you clearly hear his voice and he stated that he left right before his wife and son's phones locked for good he he left and he was two minutes away but somehow didn't see or hear anything going on didn't see anyone come out of the shadows didn't hear the gunshots they were brutally murdered and their phones showed movement and activity Maybe as though he was trying to put it to their faces to get a facial recognition, but couldn't because they were literally obliterated. And the weirdest part of the whole thing is how he hired the cousin Eddie to basically take him out also and said that it was just like a botched assassination gone wrong so that his son, Buster, the living son, could get a $10 million life insurance. I have no idea what to make of any of this because these are some of the most incredible lies and stories I've ever heard in my life that you think, nah, this is a movie, but this is real life. And this man, I truly hope that the jury finds him guilty because there's no doubt in my mind. Like, I don't have a reasonable doubt that he did it because of the lies and because of him being in that kennel right a minute or two before the murders happened. Like, how could you walk away? Someone comes in, they murder them. You don't hear them. You don't hear anything. And then you come back later in a completely different outfit and you report a scene. And then your wife's phone that was with her in the kennel ends up like a half a mile away, but there's no fingerprints on it. Hmm. So I'm reading some articles and Fox News Atlanta had a pretty interesting one where the defense 
is calling in experts who say investigators didn't dust for fingerprints and collect the blood or photograph evidence with the angles or clarity needed to study it properly later. This is a defense argument. And they're saying that it took five, it took hours for agents to go across the state to get deep into the South Carolina low country. And there were people walking around the crime scene. And basically, I mean, the Murdoch's, they, they own, they own everything. So I have another theory about it because back when Paul's boating accident happened, they also sort of let things go. So let's look at the boating accident. Now, this is where the universe does not play games, people. And when I talk about the spiritual journey, keep this in mind. Okay. So when Alex Murdoch took the stand, it was on February 23rd. And it was actually the four-year anniversary of that fatal boat crash involving Paul Murdoch. So February 23rd, 2019, Paul was 19 and driving a boat with five other people on board where it crashed near Paris Island, South Carolina, and it killed a 19-year-old woman named Mallory Beach. So Paul's girlfriend was on the boat, and her name is Morgan Doughty, along with Miley Altman, her boyfriend, Connor Cook, and his cousin, Anthony Cook, who was dating Beach. Now, the four survivors suffered like all of these injuries that required hospitalization, but they couldn't find Mallory. Accident happens, but it was reported that Paul at 19 and his friend, he wanted to go into a dockside restaurant and do a shot and then drive the boat back himself. And they said he was doing like donuts and being really dangerous and everyone on the boat was terrified and asking him to stop and to let someone else drive. And he refused because it was his boat. And when the police were called and they were told the name Paul Murdoch, they said any relation to Alex and they said that's his son. So they pretty much knew that the case was going to go nowhere. And a security guard overheard them saying to her, like on the phone, well, she's gone, don't worry, about Mallory and her her body. But she was found a week later and recovered on March 3rd, 2019, five miles downriver from where this boat crashed. Alex Murdoch stated that he did not kill Maggie and Paul, his wife and son, But he also doesn't believe that anyone involved in Paul's accident had anything to do with it either. Now, Maggie's sister took the stand and, you know, they were talking about like number one concerns. And her number one concern was finding out who killed her sister and her nephew. And she said that she found it strange that when she spoke to Alex his main concern was proving Paul's innocence. So I have a theory. My theory is, number one, Alex Murdoch was going to steal regardless of murdering people. His first and foremost was he was a liar and a thief and wanted money. And 
he was going to, at all costs, do whatever he needed to do to get that money. So it's possible that his wife caught on to the money schemes and started asking questions, but it's also possible that they had differing views of Paul's accident. And personally, I feel that Alex Murdoch felt that Paul at 19 years old brought a lot of shame onto the family because his issues, what he did wrong, his drunk boat driving that killed someone, got out into the news and it was very embarrassing. And I feel that a lot of anger and aggression and just all sorts of ill will built up within Alex, who was already someone who would lie and steal and cheat. And maybe Maggie, you know, was just the doting mom who knew her son had done something terrible, but was still going to be by his side because that's what a parent does, right? Just because your kid does something wrong, no matter how bad, you don't stop loving them. So I feel that there was discord there. And I think that he just, in a moment of... I don't want to say it was passion because I feel like he planned it. He knew what he wanted to do. His animosity towards them was growing. And like I said, I think he thought, I can just sweet talk a judge, a jury, the police, whatever it is, out of it with my crying and my acting skills and, you know, my whole deal and switch the story as I need to go and blame everything on lies because I was addicted to opioids. Now, a man who's addicted to opioids is definitely not going to be able to take any sort of weapon and do the damage that he did to his wife and child that happened. So there's that. But I think that there was just a lot of animosity. There was a lot of fighting and there was a lot of embarrassment from Alex because then I feel he thought, okay, maybe people are going to catch catch up with me now, right? Catch up with what I'm doing, catch on to me. And they were. So I feel like that started to unravel a lot of things because it brought a lot of unwanted attention to his family. And this is a family that was able to get away with things for a hundred years. So there's all of that. And I just feel that he snapped and I still don't know in what type of close range you would have to be for what happened to his son's head to have happened that the brain arrived for the autopsy separately. I mean, literally, like blew his brains out of his head. And there were two different weapons used. And I think that he did that to try and prove it might have been two different people with obviously two different guns. And... That is my theory. To Alex Murdoch and his murders, the SLED agents confirmed on the stand that the prosecution doesn't have the murder weapons in its arsenal of evidence. And really, it's mostly Maggie's phone that would bear witness to the final moments of her life. So this is crazy because cousin John Bedingfield... He's a second cousin, and he is the South Carolina's Department of Natural Resources officer, and he's also a custom gunmaker, 
and he testified that between 2016 and 2018, he custom built three AR style rifles in blackout caliber to fill special orders from Murdaugh and two of the guns were fitted with slings and thermal scopes, but one went missing. A 300 blackout caliber weapon was used to kill Maggie Murdaugh and several blackout cartridges found at the scene of the murders matched in several ways other rifle cartridges found around the Murdoch estate, leading the prosecutors to suggest that Maggie was killed with a family weapon. And this is from the GreenvilleNews.com. Also, according to this article, is a little bit of controversy that sparked some debate. So he calls 911, it's 10.07, he's in a t-shirt and shorts, not the outfit that people saw him in that day. And he speaks with the sled officers. So this was conducted on June 10th, 2021. It was three days after the murders. And it's kind of like sparking like a difference of opinion between people and what they are interpreting. So during the interview, Murnock breaks down weeping when asked about the crime scene. And he appears to say, quote, it was so bad. I did him so bad. And Croft testified Monday afternoon was is that's what he heard Murdoch say. But during cross-examination, they played the video again at normal speed and at one-third the speed, asking if it wasn't clear that they heard Murdoch say I, they did him so bad. So... Croft, he says, you know, I am 100% like I know what I heard. I'm confident in it. I do not need it interpreted, basically. And they said that this was a confession. But of course, his lawyers are going to say that it's not. I mean, this guy is literally trying to talk his way out of murder. And I just don't see any way out for him. I don't see a reasonable doubt that he didn't do this. Changing your clothes hiding the murder weapons and then saying you were in the room with your murdered wife and son about a minute or two before the murders were believed to have happened. It looks like shell casings from what's on your property. One of the guns that was custom made for you is missing. It just nothing that this man says makes sense, but the evidence all points in a direction. But, you know, kudos to him for trying to stick with the story and sticking with the lie. I just don't think it's going to work. And the fact that the murder weapons were never found and there are no clues leading to outside people having done this, it just says to me that the hour that he waited to call the police, it was over an hour, he was getting rid of the murder weapons, he was getting rid of his clothes, he was cleaning up, and he was making himself look innocent and preparing to be a grieving husband and father. In the car, breaking down, crying to the point where these sled agents were giving him tissues. Like when people hand you tissues, you have to be like ugly crying because nobody normally hands you tissues. I heard that a juror actually handed him tissues as well when he was being questioned by his own attorneys, but then the tables turned. But he started like rocking back and forth and getting emotional in court and grabbing tissues from the defense table. So 
I think he's overplaying it. Like as someone who has, you know, done a lot of acting, even though I'm not a professional, I still can tell when people are bad actors and overacting. And he absolutely is. Now, these are 100% my opinions to go along with the facts of the trial, but we've just got a serial liar here who will do and say anything to get himself out. And all he needs is these jurors to agree that there's a reasonable doubt that he did not do this. So I hope that the prosecution continues to grill him. I'm glad that he took the stand because I really think he just started, I don't want to say, I don't want to say dig his own grave. Oh my God. But he really started his own downfall with this. And I hope he ends up in prison for the 30 plus years that he's looking at. Because, I mean, I don't understand taking a life at all, much less your family members, you know? I mean, especially a child. But like I said, my belief is that the animosity and anger had grown towards Paul for dragging the Murdoch family name through the mud and on the news for all of this, you know, horrific underage drinking that resulted in the death of a beautiful young woman, Mallory Beach. People don't forget these things, especially in this day and age. You can look up anything on the internet, anywhere. And, you know, just the same with the iPhones of of Maggie and Paul. There was movement and, you know, it detected all of these things after they most likely were killed. You can't get away with things like you used to and even back in the day before all of this technology detectives know what they're doing the defense can cry that things weren't done right to begin with but they were probably doing favors to the Murdoch family which is why certain things maybe weren't done a certain way I believe that there are people who are afraid to go after higher ups like that especially in small towns so that is And that is not just my opinion as someone who's looking from the outside, but it's my opinion as someone who tried to go against some higher ups in a small wealthy town and lost everything because of it because they have more money. The world go round and when this Murdoch family, it seems like money made their world go round. You know, my mother used to say something when I was a kid. She used to talk about the haves and the have nots and that we were the have nots and we had to be way more careful about the way we lived our lives because we didn't have the money to get out of the same kinds of troubles. But I don't think that there's anything in the world that Alex Murdoch can do to get out of this. I truly hope not. I truly hope he gets the 30 years for these heinous crimes. So you guys let me know what you think. And thank you for tuning in for this episode of True Crime Tuesdays on Messy Closet Podcast. And don't forget to keep art and keep love alive.